Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your snackable daily podcast for your pop culture fix. Hi, I'm Laura Brodnick and I'm the entertainment editor here at Mamma Mia. And I'm Kiris. I work at Social Squad, which is Mamma Mia's internal social media agency. And I'm actually internal right now at Mamma Mia because I am back in Sydney reporting to you live from the studio. Yes, and I'm still under a blanket in North Queensland, but you know what, that's fair enough because today we're thinking of all our listeners in Victoria, especially in Melbourne and the tough time you guys are going through right now. Yes, big love and lots of kisses to you all. In today's deep dive, we chat about the release of Disney's Mulan, the controversy surrounding the release and what it means for the future of blockbusters. But first, our entertainment news headlines... I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. Starting with a new look Studio 10. So following the recent announcements of budget cuts, which resulted in Carrie-Anne Kennelly and Natasha Belling both being let go from Channel 10, the network has finally announced the replacement for the longtime cast members, and it's going to be Tristan McManus. So he'll be joining Sarah Harris as a single co-host from September 14th. So if you don't know who Tristan is, he currently serves as a host on Channel 10's Dancing with the Stars. So it makes sense thinking about it, obviously, with the budget cuts, pulling talent that they already have on network. And it's kind of the first confirmation we have about what the show is really going to look like now. It's moving away from that panel that we know Studio 10 for and more into a traditional two-host kind of format. But we still have the other cast members of Studio 10, including breaking news reporter Norella Jacobs, entertainment reporter Angela Bishop, and we've got Denise Drysdale, Jonah Coleman, and Craig Bennett continuing to serve as contributors. So it'll be really interesting to see how he kind of shakes up this panel and hopefully makes it a bit of a better watch. You heard it here first. (laughs) Um, Interesting they're moving away from having that whole kind of slew of different talent on that desk and that kind of group profile because that was always meant to be their point of difference towards like a Sunrise or a Today's Show, even though they're in a slightly later demographic. And it's interesting that with their numbers so low and with such a big shakeup that they're trying to emulate that formula that's worked so well, particularly for Sunrise, who have been number one for so long. I just don't know if this is going to be the thing to save them. Like, I know he's got a great profile, but it's not the kind of high profile name I was expecting. So there must be something else at play for them to put him into that role. He seemed equally surprised to have read a couple (laughs) of his quotes today. Like, yeah, I didn't actually see this coming, but um, I'll roll with it. And I love that. (laughs) All right, on to the next. We have Channel 7. They've released their first look promo for their tough new reality series, SAS Australia. This is a test normal people never see. This is not a game. These Aussie celebrities are going to be leaving their privileged, selfish lives behind. Why are you crying? Do you think this is for joke? I really enjoyed this promo. It's looking pretty good. We catch a little glimpse of the castmates 
What are your thoughts on this? Yes, so we touched on this briefly when it was first announced, but basically it's a reality TV show that will see all these Australian personalities put through the really extreme, tough and kind of body-breaking selection process that people go through to join the Australian Army's Special Air Service. Although I must wager a kind of guess that it's not quite as demanding as the actual SAS training, but still. So they've got quite a few high-profile names there. So comedian Merrick Watts, and you've got retired Iron Woman Candice Warner, The Bachelor star Nick Cummings, PR Queen Roxy Jasenko. But the kind of most interesting addition to the cast and the one who takes up the majority of the first promo that's been released is Chappelle Corby. This is her first kind of step into the spotlight since returning from her time in prison in Indonesia. And this is the first time we've really seen her speak about why she's part of the show. And Key, I know that you might have watched the trailer before we jumped into this, but it's very much like they're very much putting all the strain of like all the the terrible activities and stuff they're doing onto her. And so we actually see her like break down in tears and sob when the British soldier and chief instructor is making her jump backwards out of a helicopter. And the whole kind of shtick around this is that he's yelling at them that they're going to get out of their privileged, selfish lives and they've got to leave all that behind, which I feel fits with the narrative of the other celebrities who all come from really, you know, high paying, high rolling careers and have probably lived a really luxurious life. But I feel him shouting at Chappelle Corby that he's going to take her away from her luxurious life and put her in this hard world. It just hits differently. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) I mean, if (laughs) yell at all the other ones, Chappelle has been through enough. Like that prison sentence was long and grueling and she was hounded. I mean, yeah, the conditions there, I'm sure as well weren't perfect it just are people forgetting why she's on the show I don't know it's weird that this is kind of the hook they put into although I know that the public interest in her is so much more than the others because we haven't like had any kind of public Mm. access to her since she returned to Australia there are some rumors that she walks off the show or she doesn't complete it or she leaves because it's too much for her which I actually feel is a pretty valid response yeah it seems like it will be very triggering to be in that environment to what she's already been through. Also, can we just lull about the fact that Candace Warner in hers says, I want to prove to my girls that it's not just daddy who is tough and strong, speaking about her husband who's a famous cricketer. And I was kind of like, Hans, you're a retired iron woman. You yeah, are no like the boss. You. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a wild time. It's coming out in October and I think we'll have to watch it just to kind of see how this craziness unfolds. But yeah, weird choice of promo. On to Zac Efron. We've become a little bit obsessed with him in the office at the moment because he's taken up residence in Byron Bay and he's just one of us, really. Yeah, one of us might be a slight stretch. It's been a difficult time across Australia. We haven't had a lot to do in the last few months. So keeping track of Zac Efron's movement and being on Zac Watch, I feel, has become the popular pastime for a lot of people in Australia. So he's been here nearly all year. He's spent most of his time laying low in Byron Bay. And the Byron Bay locals, even though there's quite a few stars who now call it their home, especially with um, that big new TV show with Nicole Kidman filming near there, but still Zac Efron is still the height of celebrity spotting and there's been a lot of people taking evidence of him being in cafes and restaurants and surfing and all that sort of stuff. Look, you know I don't buy into gossip or paparazzi photos or anything like that, but the people who are on Zach Watch have now kicked their stalking up a level because it's now been discovered that he's dating a um 
Australian waitress named Vanessa Laderes, and they've been spotted on dates in Byron Bay, and they've just come back from this romantic ski vacation, Threadbo. So they've become this almost hot new Australian couple that everyone's just watching through, like, fan sightings. It's the weirdest thing. Being a celebrity would just be so wild. And how is this chick? She lives in Byron. She's probably an absolute chiller. Now she's like, oh, God, Daily Mail's I love how you've got, got my this pictures whole on narrative around this girl <laughs> that we don't even know who's just, yeah, maybe she's just dating this nice guy that came in for a coffee they got to chatting he said he was between gigs at the moment she just decided not to be judgmental about that and started (laughs) dating him and now she's on the front page of every tableau in australia well you know zach watch continues so i'll keep you guys updated on that next time he's spotted out and about in australia because we have nothing else to do The live-action remake of Mulan was originally due to be released in March, but was delayed due to the coronavirus outbreak. As a result, Disney pivoted and decided to release a big-budget film on Disney Plus on Friday. Yes, so there were so many eyes on this movie because it had its big launch at the beginning of the year and it was meant to be this big blockbuster that would just take over the cinemas and the box office list for a few weeks. And it was coming off the back of this amazing run for Disney because even though we, or maybe more so I, have given a lot of these Disney live-action movies these pretty bad ratings. Like, I don't think they're actually great movies. But I seem to be the only person who thinks that, though, because overall, the live-action remakes for Disney, so like Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, The Jungle Book, have made about $5.8 billion. Wow. For, yeah, right? So, I mean, I'm sure this is a drop in the bucket for Disney, but still, in terms of movie-going prices, because they've declined over the last two years, that's very good. And so there were a lot of eyes on Mulan. And so when they had to keep postponing it, postponing it, postponing it, as they've done with a lot of their other big blockbusters, it became this conversation of do they just hold it back like Marvel's doing with Black Widow until they can release it in cinemas and just play that gamble that they might have to hold it for over a year? Or do they just do a bit more of a gamble like Christopher Nolan's done with Tenet and just put it into cinemas, even though so many cinemas aren't even open yet, and just know that you're not going to get that same audience? So they decided to go a completely different route, which is to put it on the Disney streaming service. And I don't know about you, but my social media feeds were flooded with people watching it just to kind of, you know, I think we've just been waiting so long for a big blockbuster like this. There was a real appetite for it. But at the same time as that, there was this huge movement which had kicked off earlier in the year and now gained momentum again this weekend. And that was people saying that we all should boycott watching Mulan. Yeah. So it was interesting that this came up again, because as you mentioned, it did come up earlier this year, but the scandal kind of reappeared around the lead actress, Liu Ifei, who plays Mulan. And she had controversially posted a tweet that was then unearthed in support of the Hong Kong police during the Hong Kong riots. And that doesn't sit well with a lot of people. So people were really calling to boycott the film and it was trending kind of in a bit of a negative way. But I guess it does make sense because people are just wanting the film not to do well as a result of it. Yeah, exactly. And like the mechanics of what's happening in regards to the police violence in Hong Kong and that whole situation is a huge in-depth thing we won't go into today. But safe to say that there are really strong opinions on both sides. And um, when she put up the original social media post where she was saying she stands by the police, a lot of people really took that as her kind of siding with the government and siding with the violence that was happening in the streets. And since then, I think Disney's tried to stamp that out. I mean, she hasn't spoken about it again. She had to do quite a lot of press, the lead actress, with American 
American outlets leading up into its release over the weekend. And of course, they all asked her about it, but she had a very PR response ready, which was very kind of light and and just very dismissive and saying that, you know, she thinks that everyone should have a voice in this situation. It's not for her to comment. So clearly the Disney PR team is in full spin there. We don't have any numbers of how many people actually streamed it over the weekend. So we don't know if the boycott helped or not. But I thought it was difficult to see over the weekend because obviously there was so much riding on this movie. It, out of all the big Disney releases, it was the first one to have a diverse cast. And it's such an amazing Chinese story. And obviously there were a lot of problematic things with the original movie, which came out in 1998, I think. And I, they had tried to kind of fix a few of them in the new Mulan, but it didn't quite get over the line. So they did hire a female director and it's actually the most expensive movie ever directed by a woman, which was, again, sad to see it not get a big budget release in movie cinemas, but also to be boycotted in that way because it was directed by Nikki Caro, who was probably known best for Whale Rider, the movie with Keisha Castle-Hughes for a $200 production budget. And also that they really kind of made this big thing leading into the movie that it was going to be a very different Disney movie in terms of the fact that they had taken out the love story. There was going to be no music or no songs. It was very much just this kind of warrior movie, but it hasn't really come off that way. Yeah, and it's such a shame because, as you mentioned, it was directed by Nikki Caro, but it was also shot by Australian Mandy Walker, who did Hidden Figures in Australia. And every single critic's review of the movie that I have read so far has just been saying how amazing visually it is. But that's also kind of been the critique on the other hand, is that it's unprecedented to move away from kind of the rigid rules of releasing a film theatrically and to move straight into video on demand. Obviously, there's been trends in the most recent years with Netflix, you know, as a streaming service releasing their movies. And now those movies are also being considered for Oscars. But in this case, it was out of necessity. I think one of the critics wrote, I feel like Nikki and Mandy are just sitting there just, you know, with every tear of every beautiful shot that they took and have that not to be seen on big screen because it was made for IMAX. So I just... I just feel so sorry for them when thinking about it. I understand it was out of necessity, but what actual impact is this going to have on the future of watching movies in theatres? Because I don't want to see that go away. And I also think about the distributors and all of this, you know, like the Hoyts and the other big name ones that they're really missing out on that. I think in the States, Disney made a deal with one of the movie distributors there to get a percentage of the video on demand profits as a way to kind of ensure that they didn't miss out too much. So I understand because of COVID they've had to do it, but it must just be so heartbreaking to have the pressure of being a female director with the biggest movie budget, the pressure of doing a live action remake, which haven't really historically gone that well. And then the pressure of COVID and trying to pivot and all of this on top of it. It just, it's a really sad thing for them, I feel, as a director. But I am really excited to watch it. Yeah, and I think we should still say in all that, like it wasn't all bad. A lot of people did watch it and I was reading through a lot of responses and even though there was a kind of a bungle where like it's a Chinese film but there weren't Chinese subtitles available on Disney Plus or at least they weren't the time. I don't know if that's been fixed now. So a lot of people were quite disappointed in that if they tried to watch it with their parents. But a lot of people also said it was the first time they watched a movie where they actually saw themselves on screen. So I think there's also a little magic there in Mulan. It's not all bad news but, you know, hopefully the next release goes a bit smoother. Thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. If you need some light relief or perhaps some TV or movie recommendations or just to get a little recap of what we talk about each day, head over to our Facebook group and become a certified spiller. Just search for The Spill on Facebook and we will accept you into our growing community. This episode of The Spill is produced by Maddie Joanna. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye.
Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.